MNK Talk YA now presents Ruin and Rising, Part 1 of the Shadow and Bone Trilogy by Lee Bardugo. to you. We're M&K Talk YA. <laughs> and this is Marissa Snyder. And I'm Katie Bradford. And welcome to our podcast where we talk all about young adult fiction. Also, if it's not morning, hello to you too. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was laughing because it's like 7.30 where I am <laughs> at night. <laughs> I don't know why, but I was thinking like I listen to it in the morning, but... I then realized everyone doesn't. We usually post them at night. That's true. <laughs> yeah, it's like my commute My commute time is when I listen. Also, I'm just running out of ways to say hi differently. You know what? I, we could switch it up where I could say hi. We could do that. Let's not tell anyone that that could be coming down the road. No, it's, it's good <laughs> to keep people on their toes. Don't act like you know us already. <laughs> so just for people who are reading along. We are reading the Grisha trilogy by Lee Bardugo, and we're partway through book three, Ruin and Rising, and we read up to chapter 10 this week. Yes, we did. So <clears throat> if you haven't reached chapter 10, don't listen any further because we're going to be telling you lots of spoilers. I had a dream this week that I thought we were supposed to read up to chapter 10, but you actually, like, we had said we'd read to chapter 12 or something, and I, like, didn't read far enough, and oh, no. and I spoiled it for myself on our podcast. Because <laughs> I said, <laughs> like, I told you a spoiler. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's funny, because I had a, a dream, too, about our podcast this weekend. I had a dream that um, I went on Instagram, and fans were, like, attacking us because we read... Red Rising, and they were freaking out because they were like, this is not a YA book. Like, why are you reading it on your podcast? This is not the right genre. And I, like, woke up in a cold sweat about it. (laughs) I was actually thinking about it earlier. Like, I feel like I just think it's YA if the main character is a young adult, but that's not really how it works, right? No, it's not. <laughs> I, I mean, like, I don't, re- I don't, I don't think I really think that. But I was reading a book, and I was just thinking about how the main character is like thirteen, and I'm like, that is not a YA novel. Then I was like, or is it a YA novel? And then I got into this like mode in my head. But. Yeah, well, I think Red Rising is definitely a crossover book. Like, it's it's definitely science fiction. I don't. I think some people would say it's why and some people wouldn't. So we're sorry if we offended anyone. Please don't attack our Instagram. We can have everyone on Instagram go vote on whether it counts as YA or not. Maybe that's why we've been losing followers and it's not the follow. Oh, the follow-unfollow scam. I bet we would be up to like 150 followers though if it wasn't for people just following to see if you follow them back and then unfollowing you. It's, it's so tacky. Don't do that. <laughs> don't do it guys stop it follow us forever <laughs> not at all but i have had really nice interactions with a lot of instagrammers there are so many bookstagrammers out there there's so many book bloggers and they're all just they're sh- so passionate 
And they're all so lovely. Maybe they can join our book cult. I'm so excited. Maybe. (laughs) The the cult of the YA book cult. (laughs) With with questionable (laughs) YA book choices. (laughs) Yeah. That aren't really YA, but we're calling them YA because we really want to Because it it. rhymes better in the title of our podcast, but we just read whatever we want. (laughs) So what do you think so far of book three? Um, I really like it. I like all of these books. Yes. I'm actually really obsessed with yeah, them. Yeah, me too. Um, you know what's funny though is that, oh, it's not funny at all. It's actually the opposite. It's really sad. So I started, I like teared up from the very first page of this book because if you remember, I really like book dedications. Oh yeah. And I don't know if you read this one, but oh, let me find it because of course I can't find it. Um, <clears throat> it just says, for my father, Harvey, sometimes our heroes don't make it to the end. And I read that and just, I don't know, it was like, it was just so sad and but such a lovely dedication. And yeah. it just really made me feel for the author a lot. To think that her father never got to hear how the book ended. It's also like just really uh, powerful. I love when someone says something with like five yeah. words and it's like, Ooh, mm-hmm. got me. It's short, but really stays with you. Do you think that's also a sign that our heroes aren't going to make it to the end of the book? Well, we do have a, a bet going. That's true. Right? So I think that the Darkling's going to die and Alina's going to live. And you think they're connected, right? Like yes. both will die or both will live. Yes. Although I was thinking that the outcome of the bet was the person would get to pick the next series. And I just remembered that we already decided what series we're going to read next. <laughs> I was thinking that too, and then I was just thinking, make it to pick the next one we haven't picked okay. yet. Okay, <laughs> that's good. That's good. I like that. Everyone wins. <laughs> Everyone wins unless we don't pick a, pick a YA book. <laughs> then we all lose. Well, then all of our Instagram people can get involved. So. Exactly. And my nightmare will come true. What do you call- Are they just called followers? The Instagram followers? Yeah, Instagram followers. Oh, I thought you were talking about... The followers of Shadow and Bone. The Sun Summoner? No, like of the series. Because I did think of a name for us. Oh, tell us, tell us. Okay. So I was looking back through Siege and Storm, and I think that the fans of the Shadow and Bone Grisha trilogy should be called Sea Hounds. I like it. Yeah? Okay. And it kind of fits with our uh, our theme. <laughs> yeah. Like, what did we have? We had Lunar Ticks. Yeah. Uh, the Wolf Pack. Yeah. Howlers and now sea hounds. So, and we're dog lovers, so it just really makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so we're going to be sea hounds. I like it. Um, okay, do you want to delve into this book? I guess so. I feel like I like forgot where it started for a second because In that cave. Yeah, I like kind of forgot that the whole cave stuff happened in this book. Since yeah, we, it's been a bit since we've been there. I'm like really into the whole Darkling and Alina uh, talking to each other thing right now. Oh my gosh, I love that scene where she goes and like visits him. But yeah, she stays in her body. Yeah, like she learned his trick. Yep. Let's go to that scene. That was okay. really good. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> because well, you know how we were like I thought it was really creepy, especially when we found out that he was doing it on purpose. 
and when he used Mal's face that one time. Like, that was really creepy and crossing a line, mm-hmm. kind of. But now I feel like it's, since she can do it too, it's like an even playing field. And I feel like they all, like, it's just, it's interesting. I like their interactions again. I love the exchange too. And I liked that the first time she did it, he was startled, but then he was pleased about it. Because he was like, you're a really good student. Like, he was happy that she learned that trick from him. Yeah, but I still, like, don't. I just have so many questions about him, and I'm glad that we're starting to get more of his back. We did learn his name. We were told we were going to learn oh his name, gosh. and we yeah. did. Um, Alexander. But I'm curious if we keep getting more of that as they, like, if she keeps going to see him, or if he comes to see her, but if they start kind of interacting more. Although I was kind of confused about why he said enough, like, do you think he really knows how to get through the shadow fold? Or do you think he just knew enough to try to scare her? I feel like he does. I feel like he knows enough because he has David's notebooks now and he has that plans for the Lumia. So he has a source of artificial sunlight so he can get through the fold now. And I mean, David seemed pretty upset when he realized he had that because... The Volcra don't attack him anymore. He has his, his weird angry birds. So I think I, I think he could come through. I do. Yeah, I'm just curious like if he can go through like tomorrow or if he just knows <laughs> that he has enough information that he could potentially go through and is saying it to like like I'm just curious Keep on our Yeah, if yeah. he has enough information to be a problem or if he actually like is in a position to be a problem. I think I don't know, but I think he is, but I, I think What's interesting is that she is starting... I mean, she's always kind of seen him as both human and a little bit less than, like a monster. Mm-hmm. But this new connection they have, I think it's it's interesting because she, she is humanizing him a lot more. Like, she has his name now. And, you know, she's seeing him in these very intimate moments, like these very personal moments. So I think... It's going to be interesting if and when he does come to Ravka, like, he will be much more human to her. He won't just be this uh, nameless enemy. And again, she's starting to think about how she's more and more like him. Not only the way she's kind of fighting some of these urges to uh, abuse her power, maybe, but also Mm -hmm. even, like, thinking about how long she's going to live and, you know... What was he saying about, like, oh, they might like you when you're queen at first until everyone who remembers you... Is, is dead and you know like that was like he makes some good points and he has been yeah, around for a long time and especially since like if Nikolai's the one who is making her human let's say so she's not just a saint if she married him she would also be his wife and a mother let's say but without that connection I wonder I think yeah people might end up turning against her it makes me wonder too if the Darkling had a wife and kid or some or yeah. some kind of family before that he's outlived. Like maybe he's been there before. Because I think you know that would be so hard to outlive all your loved ones, right? Maybe the worst. Yeah. So maybe he's speaking from experience, and that's why he's so desperate to have someone like her, you know, be be with him. Yeah. I love whenever she says. He said he tells her you might have made me a better man, and then she says you might have made me a monster. Yeah, that was like one of my favorite quotes. That was a really good one. That stuck with me too. I'm also glad that uh, Bagra is that how you say her name mm-hmm. is 
kind of like back in the game a little bit. Because I think the fact that it's his mom, like at some point she's going to help, I think, be a key player in whether he does kind of choose the human side or the monster side. I agree. And I think it is pretty interesting the way she's starting to talk about Morozova because remember last episode you said what if Morozova is the Darkwing's father mm-hmm. and there's like a moment in the book where she's talking about Morozova and she was like that wasn't his way or something and it was this very kind of intimate feeling that that Alina got when she was talking about Morozova, like she knew him more as a man rather than a myth. And so I was like, ooh, I wonder if Katie's prediction's gonna come true. I'm still standing by that one. Yeah, it's a good one. It makes a lot of sense. And if it's not him, I hope we find out who it is. And I really feel like there's no one else who, like, it could be. (laughs) Yeah, because, well, yeah, I, I don't know. And I thought the idea of, like, loneliness and trying to belong is such a strong theme because we learned mm-hmm. that like Morozova was the most powerful Grisha and it was isolating like it it isolated him from everyone else and part of the reason why he wanted to tr- try and create these amplifiers was to create a Grisha that could be as powerful as he was mm-hmm. so I mean yeah he's becoming more understandable too yeah because let's say he had a wife and kids and, and he knew that they would never be as powerful as he would, so he would outlive them all. You know, that feeling of being alone and that fear, I think, is what drove him to get, you know, become so ambitious that he unleashes this horrible shadow fold on everyone. Wait, also, didn't Bagra say something about Maul or, like, get cut off from saying something about Maul? Oh, I don't remember Earlier. that. I felt like, maybe I'm just totally making this up, but I felt like she said something like, "Is like, who is that Grisha? And then they were like, no, he's not Grisha. And then oh. she like said something else, and then she got cut off because they were like running to go save uh, Jenya from the king. Oh, I didn't remember that part. Do you think I could have like totally made that up. Wait, not Grisha. I forget. Like, let me try to find it real quick. Um, I think it would have shown by now. But you know how he has that weird tracking ability? That's what, I mean, so maybe it wasn't Grisha. Maybe it was something else. Oh, like just a super, a different superpower. I don't know. I feel like, is that a thing? Maybe he's part Grisha. Can you be part Grisha or are you all or none? Okay, yeah. So when Mal came to tell her about Jenya, she said, who is that? Because, you know, she's blind. And Mm -hmm. he said, the captain of my guard. Or she said, the captain of my guard. Bagra said, Grisha? Hmm. Alina said, no, because uh, uh, whatever that word for oh yeah the word that I can't pronounce the muggles yeah and then she said he sounds and then Mal interrupted Alina they're coming to take her right now oh and then she ran off so I don't know what she was gonna say but she definitely I mean and I don't know if it was just like it could have been anything but since I like want him to have some special bigger purpose mm-hmm. I like remember that interruption that's entirely possible I wonder if she can sense it whatever he is that would help so much because right now I'm so upset because she and Alina and Mal are drifting so far apart now. Yeah, but it's a different kind of drifting. Like before, it felt like kind of immature mm-hmm. and like, you know, jealous, ba- jealousy based, petty. Like, 
all that stuff. Now I feel like they're both just coming to the realization that they're on these different paths, and I still feel like they, like, have a lot of love and respect for each other, but it's just not clicking. Yeah, it's definitely more mature, especially because, well, I think I think it's hard because I think they still love each other, but I think Mao is realizing that he doesn't, he can't offer her what she needs, and he's holding her back. And he says that thing about, like, wanting and deserving are not the same thing. Mm-hmm. So he feels selfish by wanting to keep her for himself. And he also thinks that Nikolai needs her to be a great ruler because he doesn't know what it's like to come from nothing, and she does, and that kind of sympathy is something that he needs to to make him a great ruler. Yeah. Well, it's interesting because I feel like the three guys all add something to her life or, like, bring something out in her that is there's some good, but no one's yeah. like per- like gives her everything. No one's perfect. But then everyone else is pairing up right now, so it's like even more like. Ugh. <laughs> uh, I just I'm starting to think she might end up with Nikolai, even though I said at the beginning that I feel like she will always come back to Mall. I just and he gave her that ring. Oh. I know. Okay, well, Nikolai is still my favorite. Like, that's who I wanted her to end up with, but yeah. I feel like she belongs with Mal. But then the more that she is talking to the Darkling and I'm thinking about their whole lives and I'm wondering if he can, like, be human, like, come back. Then I'm like, well, maybe that still makes sense. <laughs> and then I'm like, they're both going to die, so it doesn't even matter. And <laughs> <laughs> she'll be the only one left. I, I mean, some of the other pairings are really nice to read about, too. I really like that Jenya and David finally came together. Although I do like that she kind of called him out because she was like, you know, before you didn't pay me any attention and now that I'm broken, you think that I'm just something to fix. Yeah, and I loved his response too about like, I like metal and you like, he was basically like your beauty was distracting from like who you really were, not some, not like I'm not trying to fix you. I just like, without your beauty and the mask that you were putting up, I've like seen who you really are more kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then who else? Oh, um, Tamar and Nadia. Yeah. That was unexpected, but really exciting. Yeah, except I still feel like I felt this way the whole time. I've never even felt strong enough to, like, say anything about it. But, like, Nadia is one of those characters who she, like, is always on the edge. And I'm like, do I care about her? Do I not care about her? (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, at first she was, like, Marie's sidekick. And then she was, like... (laughs) I don't know. Like I just, <laughs> yeah. I'm kind of. I kind of hope she like has a moment or like more of a scene or something. Because now I like, only oh. care about her because she's dating some more, <laughs> and it's kind of <laughs> crappy. <laughs> but I also feel like there's more to her than that. I just don't. We haven't seen it yet. Like even the fact that it's her brother. You know, like I feel like there's something more there that's gonna come about. Like why introduce the brother if if he doesn't have a big role? He doesn't have a bigger yeah. role down the road. But. <laughs> Hopefully we'll get to know her a little bit better, yeah. <laughs> and then it made me wonder a little bit if, like, if that was even more of her issue, you know, when, because her and Marie were so close for a yeah. while. Yeah. If she liked Marie, if she was in love with her, yeah. Yeah, if that was why she took it, the death so hard. And even, wasn't she kind of weird when Marie was dating, um, what's his name in the first place? Sergey, yeah. Yeah, she always kind of felt like the third wheel, and it would give a a kind of a different explanation for why she was so hostile towards him. Absolutely. So what do you think about Jenya's big moment? Well, I didn't know how that was going to go. I'm glad that we found out how she was poisoning him, and I felt like it was a really, Oof. like, 
poetic form of justice in a weird way. You know what I mean? Yeah. He was poisoning himself by taking advantage of her, essentially. I mean, she obviously made the poison and stuff, but... I know, but, um, like, how clever of her. But it was still such a hard thing to hear about, and I think Nikolai handled it really well, but I... But I, like, cannot even imagine how difficult that was for him to hear and oh, think gosh. about and whatnot. And I'm kind of curious if we're going to hear even more about his father now that we've been told who he is. Oh, yeah. Um, the Fyrden ambassador. It's cool yep. that he's a sailor because, na- like, Nikolai's a sailor. Yeah, I thought that same thing. Yeah. I thought that – I think I felt bad for Nikolai because, yes, that is a really awful thing to have to hear about your father. But – um <clears throat> I thought that his, I thought he should have tried his father, and and put him through a trial, because it feels like he just got off so easily. He's like, okay, I'll just banish you to the colonies, and you'll give up your throne. Yeah, especially since I think it was uh, Tamar who said something like, like she calls them out, and she's like, if, if Jenya was nobly born, this would be a very big crime. Uh, so it's just, it just the fact that she's a servant shouldn't make a difference. Like, he should still be punished, whether she's noble or or a servant. Yeah. First of all, I think that's, like, for the king and coming from his son, still a really big move. And you have to remember that they're not even, like, it's one thing if they were at the big palace still or at the... I don't even think they can really try anyone right now. Do they even have, like, whatever legal that's system they point. use? That's a good point. I don't know. I mean, he could... I think when it's all over, he should stand trial for rape. I absolutely do. Yeah. I'm, I'm not opposed to that. Yeah, I don't know. It just seems like, especially well, if she's if she's still gonna stand trial for yeah, yeah, like that is not fair to try her for attempted murder and not try him. That's that's bananas. But I did like, um, I did like just how she was so strong in confronting him. Like when she told him, "I'm not ruined. I'm ruination." <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was a good. That line. was a really really and, good move. A nice allusion to the title of the book or whatever. Um, another thing I really liked was after that scene was when, I, I don't remember who was telling her, but basically, like, you can connect to the common people in a way that Nikolai can because you've been common and poor and ordinary and whatnot. Like, you've had all these experiences that... Oh, Alina can. The, the regular folk have had to Alina, yeah. And then later, was it um, was it the Darkling telling her... Or, or maybe it was her girlfriends or something, but basically like, oh, you as a Grisha can connect to the Grisha if you were queen. So I, just, I think it's kind of interesting, like all the different identities, like if she was queen, she'd kind of... She would... She has the commoner background, she has the Grisha ability, right. and then she'd have like the royal title. She has the power to connect really all of the people, because she could even connect yeah. the saints, or the um, yeah. the saint worshippers. The religious. Yeah, the religious. Yeah. yeah, so she could be a really important connection to all these different types of groups and I also like I sometimes feel like in books like the hero like doesn't really accept their destiny I feel like she like knows what she has to do and that she has to be the one to do it in a way that sometimes I feel like it takes the hero like a really long time to come around like we're all like we know like you know what I mean like I kind of feel like she knows she has to be queen or she's going to be queen or and she knows like she has to deal with the dark lane and she know like she I feel like she kind of accepts her response the responsibility of her Situation that she didn't choose. Yes. No, I think she does too. And I think it, I like that moment when she is with her girlfriends and they're all talking because as I think she's very aware of what she has to do, but you can't think about it all the time or you'll just go crazy. And I like the yeah. scene where she's sharing all of her dresses with um, Zoya and Jenya and 
you know, Tamar and they have this really kind of lighthearted moment where they're all just like talking about how they miss pretty things and like, you know. Yeah, except I like couldn't buy that scene either. I don't, it felt like too far out of left field for me. <laughs> I don't know. I like couldn't imagine, mostly Tamar. Like in my head, I like couldn't imagine her like trying on dresses. And <laughs> I but I know. liked it because it was just like, you know, she she doesn't fit in a box, you know? Like it made her yeah, a more complex I just character. wish there had been a little bit more like hints at it before. Yeah, I guess so. But I mean, everyone has to be so tough and so hard. Like there's no room for that ever. And so it was yeah. kind of nice to see them be a little silly. It was, it was a nice, it was a nice scene. And I think it was good for her to have some, especially when you think about how isolated she was in the underground place. Alina was? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, the White Cathedral, mm-hmm. that it was. Um, just to see her, like, having real friends. Because, you know, she had, she had been doubting everyone's loyalty and stuff. So even if some of them still aren't, like, her best, like, just have that kind of moment of friendship with people. Right. I think it was and really girlfriends, nice, too. Really you know, important. like... Yeah. Oh, so much of it is, like, so many princes proposing, and Mao is brooding, and the Darklings, like, <laughs> yeah. coming to you at night. So, instead of someone, yeah. And it's just <laughs> it's like nice for her to, like, be around some cool girls. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone she needs, needs that. that. Okay. She needed a girls' night. She finally <laughs> got one. Um, yep. So do you think they're going to go on the tour, or do you think they're going to have to change all their plans now that the Darkling has shared his vision. I think I think they need to find the firebird. Yeah, but they were already planning to split up some, right? Yeah. Like pretty much Mal and like a couple of people who can like work the boat and help protect him and listen well need to just go off and find the firebird already. We don't need everyone on board. <laughs> just go do it. I wonder if Alina will let Mal go though. I think they had already kind of agreed to though. Yeah, I guess it's true cuz she tells Nikolai to reassign him to like get him further yeah. away from her. But I do think Mal is fine if he thinks she's safe, but if she's going to go after the Darkling, then he's not going to want to let her go without him. Or he won't want to leave to get the Firebird while she's back there waiting That's for the Darkling. Yeah. Yeah, he's going to want to be with her if she's doing that. So, I don't, know. I don't know. One thing that I think is kind of interesting is I feel like there is going to be a final showdown with them against the Darkling, and I wonder if the fact that she knows his name is going to come into play. Maybe this is just, I don't know. Maybe this is just me. I'm reading the King Killer Chronicles, as I told you. And in that book, there's so much about, like, once you know someone's name, you have mastery over them and you can control them. I wonder, I'm, like, curious to see if that comes into play because she made such a big thing about, like, having his true name and the Darkling makes her say it over and over and he... I don't know. It seems like he was kind of giving her a little bit of power over him. Yeah. Like, he was being vulnerable. Like, I wonder if she addresses him as... It's Alexander, right? Mm-hmm. If she addresses him as Alexander instead of the Darkling, like, in, like if that will change how he... Rea- like, if he reacts as the human first instead of the Darkling. You know what I mean? Yeah. I also think, though, that it's going to do something with Bagra. Because she obviously knows his name. Oh, you think that... Like, like if she uses it, I don't know if it would, like, ruin the trust or help the trust, but I feel like something with her lessons with Bagra and her knowing his name, it's going to change that relationship or dynamic again. Yeah. But I could also see her being like, what? How did you find that out? You went and visited him. You shouldn't have done that. I'm not going to help you anymore or something. <laughs> or it could be like, oh, he's still 
Alexander, like, let's help him. I don't that's know. Gonna be, like, yeah, that's going to be tricky to see if she will stand by him or fight against him as his mom. I don't know. Especially, I thought yeah. it was cool, too, that his name is such a common name. And she was, like, surprised by how common yeah. it was because it's just, like, this really weird, you know, juxtaposition of him being so powerful and then having this very common common name. Yeah. I don't know. Do you think she'll learn how to make her light army? The light army? Yeah, light birds. Oh, I hope so. I hope. I bet, ugh, okay, so here's the thing. She said that making those birds takes a really big toll on her. So I don't mm-hmm. want her to keep doing it if it's going to destroy her. Or if it's going to, like, turn her more into the Darkling. Yeah, but what if it's the only way to destroy him? Then they both die. See what I'm talking about? Oh, you have it all planned they out. Or they both die. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, gosh. Anyways, I'm excited to see how it goes. I think it's... I like the pace a lot. You know how sometimes third books or even second books can get just kind of slow. Mm-hmm. I feel like enough things have been happening and changing that I haven't felt too much like that at any point. I haven't either. I felt a little bit like it was slow when they were underground. I'm really glad that she got them up above ground pretty fast because I was just like, oh my God, if I have to live in this cave with them for like months, I'm not going to be able to do it. Yeah. I think it was only a couple chapters, but they... But because it was supposed to represent, like, even more time where she had just been stuck down there, I think it did a good job of being, I've, like, by the fifth page, I was like, oh, my goodness, I'm over this place. Yeah, you know, yeah, like, yeah. I want you to get out. I, you need to get out. Yeah. And I'm sure that was meant to, like, reflect how Alina felt, too. Like, she felt like she needed to leave immediately. <laughs> yeah. One of the things I uh, looked up this week was underground cities. Oh, Yes. Okay. I was really curious to know what you were going to research because you hinted that you went down a bit of a weird path this week. Well, yeah. So that was one of the like most normal things I looked up. Then I was thinking about, um, okay. I'll just give you a heads up of what's to come. Um, a, well, I, can't, I can't remember the guy's name. Who was the one who had the cat when they were in the tunnels? Which Grisha was that? Oh, I thought you were going to say Schrodinger's cat. <laughs> um, I am harsh. <laughs> Uh, Harsha. And, like, the cat's name is cat in a different language, but it's, like, on cat or something. (laughs) Right, But So then I also looked up famous wartime cats. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, like the cat army that we learned about. Yeah, well, that was what made me, that was the first thing that came to mind, and one of the most popular things that came up when I was trying to Google that. And then the other thing that I looked into a little bit was, you know when Alina, like, right after they kind of took control underground and she marked that soldier yes. with her hand. I was kind yes. of curious about other saints marking people, but, re- oh, but then okay. I kind of went down that and I basically just looked at uh, the stigmata, which is like uh, people who usually from Christian faith get marks where Jesus Christ's crucifix wounds were right, so on like their the hands the, and their yeah. feet and stuff and usually like unexplained stuff so those are kind of the three things i looked into this week oh my goodness <laughs> to varying okay degrees. um i want to hear about <laughs> underground cities first okay so i found like a list of a few of them but i'm just going to talk about some of the more interesting ones so one of them is called i, sh- I should have looked up how to say all of these things <laughs> during quu Okay. And it's in Turkey's Cappadocia region. I've never been there. And it dates back to the 8th century BC. 
And most of these, they were usually, they think, built, at least initially, to be, like, a safe place during wartime. So that's not oh, that makes shocking. Sense, yeah. <laughs> um, but this place, so this is 8th century BC, and it had an 18-story interior with, like, a full metropolis down there. So it had, like, wells, kitchens, schoolrooms, oil presses. 18 stories? Yep. A bathhouse, a winery, and living space for over 20,000 people. Oh, my gosh. And each of the 13 stories could be um, sealed off with stone doors. Whoa. So, like, I, it just sounded, like, pretty advanced for, yeah. like, back in the day. It they just had, sounds very elaborate. Like, they were expecting to have to be down there for a very long time. I know. I want to go, like, check it out Me and too. live there for a little bit. Um, so, historians believe that the Hittites or the Phrygians, those probably are both completely wrong, <laughs> <laughs> were among the earliest builders, but it was later occupied and expanded by a bunch of different groups, um, but was lost for a while and then rediscovered in the 1960s when a local man was trying to renovate his home and like came across some of the tunnels. So is it still there? So I think the city, I mean, it's, I don't like the... I wonder if it's still inhabitable. Like, is there a and I could I don't think anyone lives there, and I don't think it's a museum, because some of them talked about how you can, like, go as a tourist or, like, take a pilgrimage, and this one didn't say anything about that, but it might still be. And then this one's more recent. Um, so Beijing has an underground city, and when, like, nuclear war seemed like a real possibility in the 60s and 70s, mm-hmm. The Chinese government ordered the construction of a fallout shelter under the capital. Oh. And it was known as Dixia Cheng. And it was hand dug and was supposed to be able to safeguard a million people for up to four months. Wow. Isn't that crazy? That is, but how many how many people were in Beijing at that time though? I'm guessing more than a million. That's actually a really good point. So it's I like, did not check that. Who gets the golden ticket to go live underground and avoid nuclear fallout? <laughs> yeah. That's a little scary. They had a skating rink. They had a thousand seat movie theater all in this underground bunker, though. A skating rink? Yeah. Oh and my God. this one was opened as a tourist attraction for a little bit in the 2000s. Oh my gosh. They had granaries, restaurants, hospitals, schools, like all kinds that of That would be stuff. so interesting to see. It would be horrifying, but also interesting, you know, because it would be so scary to think about people having to live underground like that and make a way of life for themselves for I mean, how long does it take to recover from a nuclear fallout? I don't know. But if you have a million people down there after four months, I don't know what would happen because that's all they plan for. Oh, have you read um, Wool? No, but I really want to. It kind of reminds me of that. They're like in a old granary at the beginning and they've been there for decades or whatever or like generations i mean it also reminds have you read the enclave i have not it's pretty good um but it's the same thing they there's a group of people who live underground and it's kind of interesting how like they go into the details of like what living underground without sunlight would do to a human body and like they live on mushrooms and it's really creepy that actually like we should have done some research on how to survive underground how would you grow things? You wouldn't be able to grow anything. Yeah, I mean, if you think about, she has this special secret sun power, and she couldn't get any light down there. So there's, yeah, how's anything supposed to grow? You would just have to eat like canned goods, like that would get old um, fast. 
Eat ramen. I was just thinking, unless it's like box macaroni and cheese, I could handle that. Ramen. (laughs) Or ramen. (laughs) Man. And now I'm like thinking about how you'd have to like keep animals down there if you wanted to have meat. And how would like, what if someone was born down there and they, that's all they knew for like months and months of their life or years. There, there is an Italian hilltop town known as Orvieto mm-hmm. that has um, a bunch of, like, a big vase of wells and cisterns and grottos and galleries and whatnot underground, including some olive presses, and they used to store pigeon roosts down there, oh. which was a common local delicacy. Squab. So they kept, they kept animals down there. I feel like it would be so disorienting, especially for a bird. Oh, that's so cool, though. Now I want to learn how to survive underground. I also want to know, like, when do you decide it's safe to go back up? Yeah, who do you send to be the first person to, like, check out and see if it's safe? Also, how do you, how do you, like, if someone's going to attack, if it's just to protect from an attack, which is different from, like, nuclear fallout, if it's, like, an army's attacking or something, once they get, like, how do you really keep a whole city, like, it would be one thing to have, like, a small little area underground where no one knew how to get there. But don't you think, like, if a whole city was underground, like, someone would have left a clue behind? Yeah. <laughs> there has to be, like, a big trap door. <laughs> but I guess if it, like, a lot of them have been lost for, like, hundreds of years or thousands of years, so. Yeah, that's interesting. How did they hide the entrance so that the enemies wouldn't follow them down there? I don't know. I didn't, again, you know, I do uh, partial research. Oh, I guess I should have told you where I found that, right? Oh, yeah, we have to cite our sources. Um, oops, it didn't print out all the way. History.com. <laughs> okay. Slash news. Slash something, something. Very cool. Um, what was the other thing you said you researched? Um, okay, so I did, I looked into cats. Oh, yeah, cats. <laughs> and I found several famous and well-known wartime cats, but most of them weren't even that interesting. Like, okay, there's this one, Faith, the Faithful Church Cat. Apparently, this is one of the most well-known cat stories. I've never heard this. So there was this cat named Faith who lived in St. Augustine's Church in London in 1936. And on September 6, 1940, she moved her recently born kitten from the upper floors to the basement right before London was hit by German air bombs. Oh, whoa. So she, like, knew it was going to happen. Or she just decided she might have just liked the basement. Who knows? Would change the scene. (laughs) And she was, um, her and her kitten were rescued from the rubble and were later awarded a special medal for bravery for steadfast courage in the Battle of London. But I feel like I must be missing some details because I don't even understand what this cat did. She didn't even, like, save a real baby. She saved a kitten. I mean, like... But did she, did her moving the kitten alert people that maybe something bad was going to happen so all of them moved downstairs too? That's what I mean. There need to be more details because if that's the case, then I buy it, but... If you're winning a medal, I need to hear the whole story. Yeah. Okay, this one I kind of... Okay, so there's... This is the cat's official title. Oh, gosh. Able Sea Cat Simon. Able Sea Cat Simon? Yep. Have you heard of him? Nope. <laughs> he was part of the royal... Oh, Able Sea Cat Simon. Yeah. <laughs> We're good he, friends. Um, was on the Royal Navy's HMS Amethyst in 1948, and he was the formal ratter. So I think that means he killed the rats. Yeah. And he performed his duty so well that he was twice awarded medals. <laughs> What's the first... a cat going to do with a medal? <laughs> he 
he and he's okay. So he, one of the medals he won is the Dickin Medal for Animal Gallantry, and Aww. he's the only cat who has ever received this ma- medal. And he was buried with full naval honors when he died. <laughs> Wait, like a burial at sea? Is that how? What is, is that what a full naval honors burial is? Uh, I I don't know. I imagine there's taps played. I bet there's a flag involved. I thought they, like, would maybe, no, maybe this was, like, what they did a long time ago, but I always thought they, like, sent you off into the sea, <laughs> like, I guess the sunset. My grandfather no. was a captain in the, in the Navy, and he's buried in the ground. Okay. And <laughs> I am completely wrong. I've watched too many movies. But, he, but for all I know, he wasn't buried with full naval honors. Maybe he was buried with partial naval honors, and they didn't do the sea part. I don't know. Oh. I'm just kidding. I think he had full honors. Anyways. So those are some of the, like, random cat things I was reading. And then I, I stumbled upon this. I didn't realize it was, like, a fake article at first. Oh, no. But I, I think it was. <laughs> and it was talking about, like, but then it was just funny. It was, like, this slideshow, and it was, like, oh, they, like, taught cats to be paratroopers. <laughs> this is when I knew it. This is when I knew it was fake. They were, like, because they didn't need to use parachutes since they always land on their feet. Oh, and then, God. like, um, what? was another one that it said it said something about something about like they have a nine time higher survival rate than humans because of their nine lives and, but like it started it was like it was the covert anti-terrorism stealth program for felines and i was like ooh, that sounds legit and i like it i don't think it is but it could be and i could have I just totally laughed it off I, I think at least those facts were not real but the first article that i was quoting from was on PetMD.com. I wrote that one down too. That that's a really good story, and that oh well, that kind of ties into the research I did this week. Mm-hmm. It's not long, but I was kind of interested in the Soldat Soul, which is like the Sun Soldiers, and then I I went down a rabbit hole of looking at different saints and how and how they were martyred and. Some of it's really gross, so I'm going to skip over that. But uh, there are just some saints who had really interesting uh, miracles and martyrdoms. And, Tell me more. Well, one of them is a dog. Wait, there's and a the, there's a dog saint? Yeah, there's a dog saint. And that's what, when you were talking about the cats. That what is what reminded me. So this is from Aletia.org. And there's um, a saint called Saint Guinefort. It's a 13th century French dog, and the story is that his the dog's master was a knight, and he left his infant son um, with the dog in the care of Guinefort so he could go hunting or something. And then when he returned to the house, um, everything was destroyed. You know, the house was completely overturned. The baby was missing, and the dog was covered in blood. Oh, man. And so the man assumed the worst, and he went into a rage, and he killed the dog. And then as soon as he killed the dog, he heard the baby crying, and he found the baby safe under the bed along with the dead body of a viper. So... The dog had saved the baby from this viper and killed the viper, and that's why it was covered in blood, and his master killed him. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) I mean, this is probably not true, but... No, I could totally see that happening. But but I would be like, there's literally no one else to watch your baby but the dog? (laughs) Well, it reminded me, did you ever read the books, um, the Carl and Madeline books, children's books growing up? Uh, Where like the dog, the Rottweiler is like takes care of the little girl. 
That's what it reminded me of. But yeah, I mean, you don't leave a baby in the care of a dog, sure. I mean, you can, but, you know. At your own risk. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So the knight was so upset about what he did that he set up a shrine to his dog, which became a pilgrimage site, and families would um, bring their babies to this pilgrimage site for um, protection or for healing. That's actually really so he's cool. He's like the protector of children. I know. So I should set my sights for Toby's future hire and hope that he gets sainted. Yeah, but he has to die first, though. I don't want to think about that. Yeah. Well, I'm not gonna kill him like that guy. Did. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> if that makes it any better. Um. Okay. The other saints that I looked up, I just have two more. Um, Saint Denis was the bishop of Paris during the third century. And he was so successful at preaching and converting people to his faith that the pagans decided that they needed to do something about it. So they arrested him and had him beheaded. But then I guess St. Dennis picked up his own head and continued to walk away preaching the gospel. And he made it about six miles and then collapsed and died. I don't know why I'm laughing so hard. It's not that funny, but... Oh, that sounds like something Rasputin would have done. It's just such a funny image of, like, someone getting their head chopped off, and they're like, okay, I'll just take this. Bye, guys. <laughs> I feel like that's in so many cartoons, like, you know, like, yeah. the body looking for the head or something to try to put it back on. <laughs> <laughs> and then the last one was St. Margaret of Antioch. Antioch? I don't, I don't know. Um, she um, was a woman who converted to Christianity, and she took a vow of chastity. But there was this evil Roman governor who wanted to marry her. And when she refused, he had her locked in prison. And while she was there, Satan appeared to her in the guise of a dragon and swallowed her whole. But she had a cross with her, and the cross began to irritate the dragon's stomach. And then she used the cross to cut open the dragon and was able to escape. That's cool. But then they beheaded her, so her escape was short-lived. But That's she a did. tough day. <laughs> I know, really? Like, you escape from the stomach of a dragon, and then they cut your head off? Like, come on. So, but the thing that's interesting is she is the um, holy patron of childbirth, which I think is kind of interesting. That is interesting. Yeah. Hmm. I, who, like, decides what you become the patron saint of? I think it's always tied to the way you were killed. You know, like, say... Lucy, St. Lucia, isn't she like the patron saint of eyes? <laughs> but like multiple, I mean, like someone has to, because it's like official, right? Like, does it come from yeah. the Pope? Does it come from? I, every, I think everything comes from the Pope. I everything does. He decides. Yeah. So that was my research for this week. That's good. We're getting short on time. So maybe I'll save my uh, stigmata stuff for next week. Next week. Okay. Um, that's fine. So, what else is there to talk about? (sighs) I don't know. I am interested to know what more is in Morozova's journals. Yeah. Because they talk about how, like, the writings are, like, that of a crazy person. Sorry. Like, uh, you know, he keeps getting, keeps making less and less sense as the journals continue. Yep. So, I want to learn more about him. Agreed. I want, I want to, I still want to know more about the Dark Lane. I agree. I want them to have more interactions. <laughs> I'm with you on that. I think I want, like, an epic battle. 
And I kind of feel like it needs to happen in, like, the next chapter or two, but also that we still have, like, 200 pages to read, so it can't. But we only have 200 pages left. I'm, ugh. Yeah, how are they going to get the Firebird? Get... I keep forgetting it's about to end. Like, have someone win, have her pick a guy, and give us some sense that the world is okay at the end of the day. Well, yes. (laughs) And we also have short stories, though, so we should decide... If we want to read the short stories for next week or if we're going to do a separate episode. I think maybe a separate episode. I feel like I'm going to have lots to say when this is over, although I could be wrong. Yeah, I know. I agree. So the short stories are The Witch of Duva, The Two Clever Fox, The Tailor, The Demon in the Wood, and The Little Knife. And then also that letter that Mal wrote, Alina, I, I looked in my back of my book and it actually is there. I just <laughs> didn't, find, didn't see it. Okay, we can do a separate episode for those uh, stories. It can be a little shorter if we need to. Oh, or maybe yeah. I, I can talk about stigmatas then if we want. <laughs> yeah. We will we'll let you talk about stigmatas, I promise. As long as I get to talk about stigmatas at some point. <laughs> and then, um, oh, we should also mention that Wonder Woman Warbringer came out. Oh, yeah. Which is another book by Lee Bardigo, and it's all about, I guess it's like a coming-of-age story, so it's about Diana before she was Wonder Woman. I haven't read it yet, though. And she has another book coming out, like, this month at some yep. point, called The Language of Thorns, which is supposed to be a collection of original fairy tales, and that's really all I know about it. It is based in the Grishaverse, so it's, like, the same Oh, world. it is, Yeah, too? it comes out September 26th. Okay, the other thing that is based in the same world is that duology. Does it take place after these books, or do you know? That's uh, a good question. I know it... I know it takes place in the same world. I don't know if it's before or after, but we'll find out because that's what we're reading next. Wait, should I not have given that away? Is that we were supposed to keep that a surprise? I think it's like implied, right? That's like what we do. We just keep reading books. We can't say goodbye very well. No, 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 no. We just keep going as long as we can. Whose turn is it for her joke? Oh my God, it's mine. Okay, good. Because I don't. Oh no, I didn't prepare. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I'm going to look up cat jokes real quick because we're talking about cats. (laughs) I'm usually so prepared. We also didn't talk about Taylor Swift's music. Oh, let's talk about Taylor Swift's music while we wait for me to find a joke. (laughs) What are you thinking so far? Are you happy? Are you excited? Um, I'm super excited. I, okay. So when it first came out, when Look What You Made Me Do came out, I had some mixed reactions because... There was some stuff in the video, in the, um, or well, actually, this is the text, the lyric video. I'm not a super big mm-hmm. fan of lyric videos, and I thought that the chorus was kind of boring, like the look what you made me do chorus, and I was just kind of like waiting for this big buildup of this really cool chorus, and then it was kind of lackluster, but then I really liked the video, like the actual video that came out, and it made me like the chorus a lot more. Yeah, I really like the video. I actually really like the lyric video, too. As far as lyric videos go, I was, like, into it. The only thing that was kind of, like, so many people were pointing out, I mean, there's so much packed into the video, but, um, like, her referencing, they, people said that it was referencing Kate uh, Kim's robbery, and I was just mm-hmm. like, oh, that's really low. Yeah. But then there was also so much other great imagery, like, the eight guys who were dancing in the background are like her eight famous ex-boyfriends and 
Well, and, well, the robbery thing, it was, like, about streaming music also, which is just, like, a big thing that she... Right. You know, has taken it... I don't know. I, I, like, you can... There's definitely, like, things you can find to be upset about or that you can hate on, and I get that, and people can do whatever they want, but I'm still just such a Taylor fan. I know, me too. And I love that she... (laughs) But people have said... Okay, I had a visitor. uh, I had friends visiting this weekend, and the, um girl is like really obsessed with taylor swift too and she had so many like little things that she found in the video that i hadn't noticed and i guess one of them is that she's wearing the dress from the out of the woods video which was the last video from her last album and she's wearing it in the first video from her new album but then she said that it was all plans that like this whole new look and like, you know, the deleting of the Instagram account was all planned because at the end of the Out of the Woods video, like, there's two of her and, like, one of her comes up from behind and, like, taps her on the shoulder and that's meant to be, like, this new persona. Oh, I did not put that together. No! So it's so crazy that, like... I need to go watch that one now. All, they've just been planning this for so but long. sometimes I, I wonder. I mean, I really, like, I know a lot of that goes into it and, like, Things like the dress were definitely intentional. But also sometimes I wonder when people are, like, reading into all the signs and all the things something could mean if it's not, like... Do you remember, like, in high school or something, you'd read a book and it would be like, oh, the sim- the symbolism of the grass being green and da 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 And you'd be like, but also the grass isn't going to be blue because we're reading a realistic <laughs> story. So, you know. Yeah, you don't know. <laughs> so much. But... All in all, I really do like it. And I've just been listening to it on repeat. And, like, it was so funny because we were at the beach this weekend and we kept begging um, Chad and his friend to play it over and over. And we knew, like, all of the lyrics. And Chad was like, this came out two days ago. Like, how do you already (laughs) have it all memorized? It set so many records already. Yeah. I I think I know all the words, too. Uh, And it's going to be funny when when the whole album comes out. I'm going to be so over these songs already. Oh, I will. That's okay. (laughs) I like the new one, too. I still miss her old country days, though. Well, that but... was so great at the end of the video when she has all of her other personas come out and they're all making fun of her. That was per- that, that was, was hilarious. So yeah, I do like how self-aware she is and how she is, like, very okay with making fun of herself and, like, calling attention to all the things that people say about her. It's kind of like... It's kind of like how Nikolai always says, turn every insult into a joke. And if you turn it into a joke, they can't use it as a weapon against you. That's so true. She must have read this book. Oh my gosh, do you think she's a sea hound too? <laughs> I could see it. Well, I hope so. Okay, speaking of jokes, I found my joke. And I'm really glad okay. I found it because it's also a library joke, so it Ooh, fits. Good. Okay, so here's the joke. I went to the library and asked for a book on Pavlov's dog and Schrodinger's cat. The librarian said, that rings a bell, but I don't know if it's here or not. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's man. A, that's a nerd joke. That's a good it. one. I like it. Um, all right. That's all I had for this week. Was there anything else you want to talk about? I don't think so. I just want to get back to reading. I know. So we will finish the book, and we will see you next week. Yep. Sounds good. Bye. That's my <laughs> line, right? Bye, bookworms. <laughs> I was like, does she not want to say goodbye? (laughs) I forgot what we usually say. (laughs) Have a nice day, bookworm. You can say bye, Seahounds. Bye, Seahounds. Go get a library card.
M&K Talk YA is produced and edited by Marissa Snyder and Katie Bradford. Original music composition by Timothy Milkey. Logo design by Marissa Snyder. For updates and extras, visit mnktalkya.com or follow us on Instagram and Facebook. And if you haven't already, please rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. We would like to thank James Tobias, Chad Snyder, Meredith Kelphy, and Michael Howard for all of their support. Thanks for listening, and see you next time.